Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Plenty to get to. I'm just going to dive right in here. No way to really introduce all the things I have to bring up, so I'm just going to get into it. Uh, first of all, just a couple of things again regarding the false flag shenanigans in Israel, of course, and everything else that's continuing to come out regarding that. The truth is astounding. And social media and the way that the internet operates and the way that more and more people are learning about real history, I'm telling you what, they're, uh, the bad guys here really are not getting away with this, which is a good thing. Yes, of course, and unfortunately, they're making inroads and saying and doing absolutely ridiculous things. Politicians are trying to out-Zionist one another and see who is the bigger Zionist. Uh, you know, it's pathetic. I support Israel no more. No, I do. No, I do. And they're just going back and forth, and it's absolutely outrageous. I also think, of course, it's outrageous that endless universities and corporations, and you name it, and I have one example I'll bring up later that was sent to me by a listener of the show, but it's just beyond ridiculous that everybody seems to keep condemning Palestinians and anything that Palestinians say or individuals who have family members who are there, and then they again try to out-Zionist one another to see who's the bigger Zionist. It's beyond pathetic. And again, this is happening on college campuses and even within workplaces that shouldn't even be discussing this. And college campuses shouldn't be discussing this either. Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, they don't know what the hell they're talking about either. So it's beyond ridiculous. Again, you see uh, you see some Jewish flag or a Zionist flag with a Star of Rem fan on it, and uh, and everybody, again, just apparently, well, not everybody clearly, but some people, and certainly the establishment, just blindly support it. Because, of course, they're told to. And then you see a Palestinian flag and everybody loses their minds. Uh, you know, it's absolutely outrageous. Not to mention, of course, you, you fly a, uh, a Betsy Ross flag in your yard and people flip out. Or a, uh, a Troutman flag and everybody flips out. So, which is it? I mean, these people can't make up their minds. But speaking of that, that leads me to this very quickly. That the... And again, this is the this is the strange paradox and, and the rock and the hard place that these people seem to find themselves in. They don't seem to understand that Ukraine and the corrupt government over there are kicking priests out of Catholic churches and confiscating these Catholic churches. But where again is the outrage? Where's the conversation? Where is that even being brought up in the news? Isn't that strange? Same thing, of course, with what's going on in the Gaza Strip. They're bombing Catholic churches. They're bombing Christian churches. But where's the outrage? It's nowhere to be found. That right there alone should tell everybody the stranglehold that the Zionists have on politicians in our own country and, of course, the entire media apparatus. They bury that fact with such weight and force that they know that they can get away with it if they just never even mention it or bring it up. And they'll still get the money that they want, and they'll still get the attention that they want, and they'll get anything else that they're interested in, but they're going to squash that story as much as humanly possible, and those real stories. And that is, again, happening. But first there was this. This is from the dailyveracity.com. And this was from the end of last week, and it is titled, Independent Investigation Concludes Israel Bombed the Hospital. 
not Hamas, and they faked the audio recording of Hamas members. That's the title of it. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. You can go over to the Daily Veracity and type that in and find it. It's right there. October 21st was the date. Uh, you know, take it for what you want, but there you go. It says, amidst the ongoing conflict between the Israeli military and Hamas, the United Nations has urged for an impartial internal inquiry into the destruction or destructive explosion, rather, at Gaza City's crowded hospital. Well, it's churches too. And they're not talking again about the churches, which is a huge problem. There was this also here in the States, rather ridiculous. Again, this should show you the Zogbot control that exists. Uh, This was from WJHL.com. Virginia sheriffs ask, or asked rather, to send old extra law enforcement gear to Israel. This is out of Richmond, Virginia. It says their attorney general, Virginia's attorney general, Jason Moraes, if I'm saying that right, has asked sheriffs from across the Commonwealth to contribute expired and excess gear for the purpose of sending to the Israeli military. (laughs) What is happening? What is happening? Why do they think that's okay? Again, Freemasons, cops, they're all tied in together. They're all Jewish. Freemasonry, again, is Jewish. And that's that's exactly what this is. The mere suggestion should be borderline treason. Again, they call him our greatest ally in the state of Israel, quote-unquote. It is not a state. It's not a state. As much as these Zionists would love to have Israel be the 51st state in the United States, it is not a state on its own, nor should it be associated with us. But it's astounding. It's as if people here in the United States couldn't use that equipment. I'm sure there's some tight budgets that exist, and some other law enforcement agencies or maybe small colleges or even universities could use some of that equipment, but no, they want it sent overseas. They want it sent overseas. Again, it seems like treacherous behavior. It's it's not a charity. It just seems like it's it's completely unnecessary and uh, and borderline treason, but that's just me. There was this too. Wanted to mention this, and again, I have a particular take on this that is something I think that people need to consider. Uh, This is from the Detroit Free Press, and it is titled, Detroit Synagogue President Samantha Wool Found Fatally Stabbed Outside Her Home. Now, this was written on October 21st, and it has a few updates, basically. But it says the following, a politically uh, connected, rather, Detroit Synagogue President was found stabbed to death Saturday morning outside her home in the city's Lafayette Park neighborhood east of downtown. Samantha Wool, 40, led the Isaac Agree Downtown Detroit Synagogue and previously worked for the U.S. Representative Alicia Slotkin, a Democrat out of Holly, and the re-election campaign of Attorney General Dana Nessel, a Democrat. Police said in an afternoon statement that they were investigating after finding a body stabbed multiple times in the 1300 block of Joliet Place. A trail of blood led to the victim's home where police said they believed the crime occurred. The chief of police, a James White, asked for patience in a statement released Saturday evening and said an update 
on the investigation would come Sunday. Quote, over the course of the last several hours, the DPD has mobilized many of its resources and has been leveraging every law enforcement and community resource it has to help further the investigation. Understandably, this crime leads, leaves many unanswered questions. Okay. Again, Democrats, Republicans, you name it, regardless of their religious or bloodline affiliation, condemned this, of course. Here's the thing. And this is, again, a take that I know is going to ruffle some feathers, but whatever. People have to understand that, that Zionists are completely capable of, of doing something like this. The first take objectively is that somebody would say that she's not really dead, that this entire thing was faked in order to sow more division between individuals and religious groups and communities, etc., etc. I'm not doubting that it happened, okay? I have no proof it happened. I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. Haven't seen the crime scene. There's no pictures of the crime scene that they, uh, that they reveal, so to speak. I mean, there's just some police cars around. There's some yellow tape, and then that's about it. But they don't show you anything else. Um, on top of that, this is far more plausible, this next scenario. It's far more plausible that a Zionist was the one who did this. That a Zionist would take out a head of a synagogue around this time in an effort to, again, sow more division. Because immediately, again, you think of Detroit, you think, well, it must have been a black. That's, that's, not, you know, that, that's not a racist or, or bigoted approach. It's Detroit. I mean, it's rather common there, this kind of violent crime. But at the exact same time, you'd have to look past it and multidimensionally and say, well, is it possible that the Zionist movement, certainly here in the States, would want to would create as much division as humanly possible so we could either hire a black to do it, which is also possible, or uh, we could just have one of our own do it. And we'll take out one of our own for the sole purpose, again, of creating more division. People have to understand that this happens, that this is a thing. It's no different than the synagogue goers who are caught and tried or, you know, certainly charged with vandalizing their own synagogues with swastikas. And they'll spray, spray paint swastikas all over their own synagogue and say, well, look, a, a Nazi did this. And then they're like, bro, we got you on security camera. Uh, it was you. You were wearing a small hat. You had the hair locks coming down both sides. It was you. And then they're like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff happens. Faking your own quote-unquote hate crime is something that does occur. Paying people off to kill other people, again, for the purposes of either covering something up or creating more manufactured division in a psychological war, you know, that's par for the course. That stuff happens all of the time. So regarding something like this, again, if it really happened, it's clearly unfortunate, but at the exact same time, if it, you know, if it happened, people need to consider multiple scenarios. And the fact that it's highly possible that the police will never find this person and that no one will ever be charged, that needs to be taken into consideration also, because again, if it was a targeted hit, for all the reasons I just mentioned, well, then that's part of it. It's not that the police have to be involved, it's just that the police have to be given nowhere to go. And, you know, that happens. So I wanted to bring those things to you right off the top regarding all of that Middle East stuff. And again, just continue to keep in mind, I think, 
all of the so-called politicians in the United States that continue to beat the war drums. These people are beyond disgusting. Senator Tim Scott, who allegedly is running for president, and he has no chance in hell whatsoever, but he's calling for basically all of the Palestinian congressmen and women to be thrown out of Congress. Well, if we're throwing out, if we're throwing out people who are attempting to sow seeds of division while uh, you know, being marginalized and trying to marginalize others, how about we just throw everybody out of Congress, including Tim Scott? Because most of them are blackmailed, half of them are pedophiles, if not more than that. They're all bought off, they're all sold. None of them represent us. They only represent the moneylenders. That's really about it. So again, for someone like Tim Scott to be, uh, to be calling out members of Congress who should be thrown out, well, throw yourself out. I mean, we, we don't want you around either. So take that into consideration. Now again, when it comes to Ilhan Omar, she's an illegal alien. She married her brother to get here. She shouldn't be here legally. So yeah, she really shouldn't be in Congress because, well, she's a criminal. She's an illegal alien. And yeah, throw her out without a doubt. The rest of them are just stupid. And they clearly won in fraudulent elections, or they represent particular areas that have a high propensity of individuals who, of course, agree with them, either religiously, ideologically, or whatever. But even so, it's about all of Congress. They are the problem. And they're just going to continue to be the problem. Again, I haven't heard a single congressman or woman. I haven't heard a single senator. I haven't heard anybody bring up the removal of Catholic priests or ministers or what have you um, w- within Ukrainian churches and certainly within the Gaza Strip. I haven't, I haven't heard any of that. In fact, again, I play a seven-minute video in the last war video, which I aired on Saturday night. There's a seven-plus-minute video that I described in the previous podcast, too, where all of these Palestinian priests who are Catholic are sitting around this table, and they're fielding questions from the media, and they're going, look, our, our hospitals have been attacked. Our churches have been attacked, and they're being attacked either by Israel or Hamas or both, but we believe them to be Israeli, Israeli weapons, and that's what we're being told, and that's what we're seeing on the ground, and that's what's being investigated, and that's what's going on. But who's talking about that in the States? Nobody. It's just crickets, absolute crickets. So there you go. That's the hypocrisy. We're being shown who our enemy is. That's the overall, that's the overall summary of that. We're consistently being shown who the enemy is. So keep your head on a swivel and continue to pay attention to that because it's really disgusting. Okay, now there's this. I got an email from a listener to the show. They know who they are. They're going to remain anonymous for now. And I'd love to have them on. And I emailed them as much and told them so. So they know who they are. And thank you for sending me this email. And thank you for listening to the show. They work at a university in Virginia. And they sent me a copy of what their president wrote their entire faculty, staff, and I'm sure many others over email regarding, again, certain current events and things of that nature. I just wanted to read this to you. And again, I'll leave out any identifying names, but uh, it's, uh, it's hilarious. So here's what they said. 
First of all, they received one email that said, Dear faculty and staff, quote, A few minutes ago, I sent the message below to students. I wanted to share it with you. And also acknowledge the emotions you may be feeling, too. The world being so troubled makes our work here all the more important. Many thanks, as always. Signed, the President. Okay. <laughs> this is just awful. It's just so embarrassing. These NPCs, I'll tell you what, they will just, they will do whatever they are told. You talk about mind control. It's incredible. And I've got another story in a little bit that just perfectly defines it, but let me get to this. It says, quote, here was their letter they sent to students. Dear students, in my custom of sharing occasional messages of encouragement and thanks with students, I wanted to touch base at this moment when the academic semester shifts into perhaps its most intensive gear. These fall months here on campus and in this town have had a joyful buzz of activity, especially welcome and meaningful after the years of COVID interfering with so much. Oh my God. And they were responsible. They continue, they said, as your academic work for the semester approaches its peak, I hope you will also find time to experience and savor some of the traditions and gatherings we cherish. In the midst of so much to celebrate the contrast between the camaraderie and safety of our own community and broader global or national events can be jarring. The tragedy in Israel and Gaza, the continuing toll of the war in Ukraine, and sadly so much else that is alarming in the world all touch us in different ways. Oh, you're being touched, all right. You're being molested and brainwashed at the same time. Uh, and the Zogbot's doing it. Sorry, they continued, and they said, To some of you, these terrible events may feel horrible but distant. For others, they may feel visceral and painfully close. But for all of us, there can be sadness and anxiety about the future. Amidst these events, I hope you find renewed commitment to their university's enduring important mission to prepare you to be citizen leaders for democracy. And in that regard, one principle has been keenly on my mind to many voices in America and the wider world, both in recent days and recent years, have begun to celebrate political violence as excusable and necessary. Political violence, terrorism, as they say, is the enemy of the ideals of democracy and liberty, which demand the hard work of toleration and settling differences through political debate, democratic elections, and the rule of law. It's what life here at their university, both in the classroom and in your range of campus roles, prepares you to do, prepares, I'm sorry, yeah, you to do, as you learn to think about some of the world's most difficult challenges while feeling supported and free to express and explore views on even the most difficult topics in and outside the classroom. Over recent weeks, as the world has seen such hardship, I've asked our student affairs staff to check in regularly with our student leadership and also our Jewish and Muslim student groups to offer support and resources. I know faculty and staff in other parts of the university have been doing the same, 
I'm also including some links below as reminders of campus resources available to you. Over time, there will also be opportunities in and out of the classroom to learn about, learn about and discuss recent events. As should always be the case at a great university, whatever conclusions you may draw, I hope such discussion will provide you with a greater sense of common humanity, historical perspective, and the value of civil debate. The world needs principled citizen leaders and peacemakers. I am proud of the example you set and the statement to which you aspire. Take care of yourselves and your fellow whatever's mascots. And, uh, and find joys, too, in the rhythms of campus and the town in which they live in the weeks ahead for the semester and into the holidays. Signed, their president. Again, it, you know, it's a diplomatic letter. I'll say that. At the same time, I think it's remarkably unnecessary. And I really don't think that these kinds of positions at universities need to be taking stances one way or another. Because, let's just do this as an example, let's take out the false flag attacks that occurred over there and the real people that are dying and being shot like fish in a barrel. Let's remove that for a moment and just insert the COVID narrative within this exact environment that this exact environment itself went along with. Now what? What are they going to do now? The jabbed are getting sick and dying, and they have been since the very start. This environment was the one that condoned it, sanctioned it, and allowed it to take place and pushed it on endless people. So what does that mean they're going to do? In the future, are they going to send out a letter apologizing and then organizing student groups to have conversations about what they did? Are they going to offer up counseling services for what they did? Of course not. They're not going to do that. It's so much easier for them to comment on something from a distant perspective regarding a subject for which they know nothing about. Again, if you even mentioned the history of the term false flag, they wouldn't even know where it originated from. That it was the old pirate ship tactic of raising a different flag up at the top of a, of a flagpole or a mast of a ship, and then you would end up tricking your enemy into coming closer, and then you would blow them away. This continues to happen with regularity, but they don't know that. They don't know how often they've been tricked. Again, the COVID narrative itself is a bit of a false flag, without a doubt. This is medicine. Take it. You'll feel better. And now what? You have nothing but the jabbed getting sick, and they're so stupid and so ignorant to what they've done. If they, in fact, did it, people like Stephen Colbert, just the other day he was tweeting out that he's had COVID again. Quote unquote. Well, COVID doesn't exist. AIDS exists. Having a depleted immune system permanently exists, which is what would cause you to continue to get sick. Yeah. Yep. You've wiped it out with the shots. Again, I understand people have said, well, they didn't take the shots, but they're just saying that they're continuing to get sick so that more people get the jabs. That's possible too. That's its own false flag, it, it, certainly in its own avenue. But even so, again, are these university environments ever going to admit what they've done? And then are they going to apply the same methods 
to the COVID jabs and that COVID crisis, so to speak, the bioweapon distribution that they went along with and got paid to go along with, are they going to do the exact same cleanup mess that they're doing for something that has to do with a political event and a false flag attack in a foreign country? I mean, these people have no idea what's going on in Ukraine. They think it's innocent people being slaughtered by Russians. That's absurd. There are Ukrainian citizens being rescued by Russians. They're being rescued. They're being fed. They're being clothed. They're, They're being given a roof over their head because the local government and military destroyed it from them. With our tax dollars, I might add. But this just is not being explained. So they put out these very diplomatic emails to students and staff as if to say, again, we are government and we are here to help you. We're government and we're here to protect you. Don't worry. Continued sustainability and trying to keep us all together and maintain our environment of brainwashing. Continue to listen to us. This right here, again, is is the milk that has gone bad. It's gone bad. And more and more people are waking up to these kinds of university environments, and they want nothing to do with it. You know, every now and again, not often, because it wasn't much of a trend back in the day, but when I was in school as an as a undergrad, we would receive these emails from time to time. We go, oh, look, an email from the president, delete, and we would just delete it immediately. No one sat around and read it and thought to themselves, well, I, I need to read this letter from the president about 9-11. And I mean, again, I was in college during 9-11. I didn't read the president's letter about what he thought about it. Many of us, again, were brainwashed about it, but we were too busy taking in multiple perspectives. But even so, we, we didn't give a damn what the university thought. Frankly, and it's rather selfish and in a, in a bit superficial, but we were only concerned as to whether or not we were going to have days off. I mean, are they going to stop college? Are they going to cancel classes? What are they going to do? And I mean, they didn't cancel classes. They didn't cancel anything. That's really the only time that we were checking email was whether or not our our classes were canceled. But we didn't, you know, we, we didn't care about foreign affairs. I mean, we weren't involved. We would read about it again in our own books and Certainly within our leisure time, at least that's what I did. But we didn't trust anybody at the university to actually have a level head about anything. So I don't know. I I understand that there's been a shift, and there certainly was a shift over the last, I'd say, 15 some odd, maybe even 20 some odd years since 9-11, where people would actually look to the university to have university officials tell them what's really going on in the world. But I think that's gone stale now. I really do. And I think that's a good thing. I think more and more students are saying, I don't care what you think. You're government. You're paid by the government. You're a government indoctrination institution. And I'm not interested in your take on things. So there you go. But again, you know, some of these presidents have to put out these letters because they, they want to do whatever they can to not be called out for not putting out one of these letters. They feel like they have to get in front of it, so they just create, again, these rather diplomatic letters where they try to play both sides. And then, uh, yeah, they just want to they, they wanna make it look like they're being globally aware and aware of what's taking place you know, on the homeland here and how it's impacting the mental and emotional framework of this, that, or the other. 
they're mental institutions. I don't, I really don't know what else to say. They're absolute mental institutions. But I have another story here from a local university, Miami University, that also proves this point. And it lead, it leans again even more towards sort of the climate change nonsense agenda, but also the hypocrisy of the words that get used within that agenda. So this was in the local newspaper here just the other day. Can't make this up. The title's hilarious too. In fact, it gives it it gives it away. The title is quote as Miami University pledges to reduce carbon emissions. Officials surprised by lack of awareness, quote unquote. And then here's the subtitle. Well, first of all, with the actual title, it's funny that the person who apparently is in charge of the sustainability department, which, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, is just someone with a bachelor a bachelor's degree. It's a it's a previous graduate of the school who just has a bachelor's degree, and they've been uh, in charge of this now all of this propaganda and this nonsense, and believing everything, of course, which is not real. But uh, they actually, they're surprised that there's a lack of awareness among the student population. Maybe it's because the student population knows it's horseshit. Maybe it's because they know that quote-unquote sustainability doesn't actually mean what they think it means as a a sustainability department. So let me define that just very quickly before I get into the subtitle and read this article, because it's beyond embarrassing. When you hear a term like sustainability, that is, that is perfect lingo from Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in the Communist Manifesto, which ties directly to the usage of the useful idiot. They have to create these fake terms throw them into these institutions with a perceived definition, and even they that accept it have no idea that there's actually another definition that is way more nefarious that they can possibly imagine. So sustainability, as far as they are concerned, means maintaining the environment, but also consistently improving, and I'm using huge finger quotes, Improving the environment to basically accomplish what they they think they want to accomplish. That's what they think sustainability means. Here's what sustainability really means. And it really means it from the communist perspective. It means we need to maintain the useful idiot and how useful they are so that they can continue to blindly carry out what we want them to carry out, even when that thing is not only going to be detrimental to the masses, but they, the useful idiot themselves. That's what sustainability really means. It means sustaining communism, sustaining blind, blind ignorance to what is really happening in the world, by giving them a false sense of security or a false sense of control over something for which they are actually being controlled under or over. That's it. No different than carbon emissions or net zero or carbon neutral. All those terms mean you dying. And again, it's the useful idiot that buys into this 
and just blindly goes along with it without thinking. So here's the subtitle to the article. Assessment on Climate Change Mentions Need for More Mental Health Services in Oxford. And that's Oxford, Ohio, where Miami University is. Now, does that subtitle mean anything? Assessment on Climate Change Mentions Need for More Health Services in Ohio. That's like saying there's a need for tennis shoes, so we need to erect more buildings. One thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. Climate change is irrelevant. And the reason that you may need more mental health services is because you have a brainwashed populace that they themselves as an environment are creating. So this is written by a Keith Barry Golick. Here's what it says, quote, Olivia Heron, rather, has been the sustainability director at Miami University for one year. She's new, but not really. She completed her undergraduate and master's degree programs at Miami. Okay, sorry. She has a master's, too. Not that that matters. She's a brainwashed goon who believes things that aren't real. And, it says, while she was a student, she worked in the sustainability office. It says not a lot surprises her. But what has surprised her is what she called a lack of awareness throughout the campus community about what officials are doing to combat climate climate change. Again, if that surprises her, that means that it's possible and highly likely that many more people know that what she believes isn't real. They know otherwise, but she's not going to talk with these people about that and about the lie that she's supporting. Why? Because, well, she'd have to throw herself off of a bridge. She would come to the realization that the thing that she's believed her entire life isn't real. So she'd have to quit her job. Because then she has a degree in something that doesn't exist, and she has a job for something that doesn't exist. They said, quote, we have been dedicated we have been dedicated this to for a long time. Did she actually say that, or is that just an incomplete sentence? It says, it continues rather, it says, in a climate resilience assessment completed in August. Again, it's all fake. Officials said there was a university fund with nearly $40,000 available for student-led projects focused on energy. The fund has not been used for the last 10 years, according to the assessment. <laughs> it's because students know it's bullshit. In 2019, hundreds of people lined up in front of the President's, uh, President Greg Crawford's home in Oxford as part of a nationwide protest about climate change inaction. The protesters covered an entire block. Ooh, a whole block of brainwashed zombies. Great yelling at another zombie, the president. Earlier this month, Crawford announced the university's pledge to go carbon neutral by 2040. Right, because they'll all be dead because they're all jabbed. He did so in his State of the University speech. This doesn't mean Miami will have zero greenhouse gas emissions. There is no such thing as the greenhouse effect, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That too is another lie. 
It means those emissions, it says, will be reduced and balanced out of the things such as trees or solar plant panels or electric vehicles. My God, these people. This is, this is how deep the brainwashing goes. It says officials say that most of Miami's carbon emissions come from energy used for heating and cooling buildings. Now, you've heard me talk about this, and it was the Michigan business owner who opened my eyes to this. The entire subject of putting solar panels on buildings is an insurance nightmare. The insurance costs for doing that are through the roof, no pun intended, and at the exact same time, when they catch on fire, if they do, and there's damage to a neighboring building, it's, it's the property owner that is responsible for the destruction of said building that is, again, either neighboring or adjacent to or whatever it may be. In particular, if it is residential living and not owned by a university, if it's someone's house and their house gets damaged, that means that the university is on the hook for fixing that house and fixing that damage. It continues here. It says, uh, this summer, officials began removing hot water boilers from each resident hall that still had them with steam systems, Heron said. There are 14 miles of piping under the campus which lose heat and require more energy and emissions. Officials say more than half of Miami's buildings have been converted away from steam-based heating. Quote, we reduced our energy-based emissions over 50% since 2012, Heron said. Quote, that is far surpassing any other public institution in Ohio. Great. Now, how much electricity are you using to power all your batteries? How much fuel are you burning to power all of your batteries? This is where, this is where they lose the plot. They, they have no idea that they're burning more electricity to power batteries. It says, quote, but reducing carbon emissions and slowing climate change is about more than just buildings. In the recent climate assessment, officials said drug and alcohol abuse was an exacerbating factor in climate change on campus. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> Are you hearing this? Are you actually hearing this? Drug and alcohol abuse is climate change. Holy shit. What next? Kicking a dog is climate change? A dog peeing on a, uh, on, on a fire hydrant. Well, it's climate change, clearly. Climate change is becoming the grift of all grifts. It really is. And you got to get a load of this list that they have here. Holy Lord. Are you ready? Here it comes. It says, other aggravating factors. The assessment noted that are exacerbating climate change are structural racism, food insecurity, lack of affordable housing, undiversified economy, and unemployment. The useful idiot, ladies and gentlemen, in a nutshell. This right here, the sustainability director for Miami University, Olivia Heron, or Haran, or whatever the hell her name is. She is the useful idiot. 
She has to be double or triple jabbed. She's clearly brain dead. This is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You can't fix this. And you can't send your kids to places like this. You just can't. They're not well. It says last fall, officials began charging a new student mental health fee of $50 per student, according to the assessment. Officials said this fee helped fund additional counselor and staff positions at Miami's Student Counseling Service. The assessment said availability of health care and mental health services in Oxford has improved, but more will need to be done. Quote, we expect increased future need of counseling services, the assessment says. Yes, I agree with you, except it's all of you running the institution that are going to need the counseling. The inmates are running the asylum here, ladies and gentlemen. This article proves it. It can't get clearer. And they're not the only ones. Every university has a sustainability director. Even my dad, who was the department chair of teacher education at Miami University in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, he even said, Sean, they, they introduced a sustainability department when I became department chair of teacher education. He goes, I didn't even know what the hell it meant. I didn't even know what it was. But it's existed since then. That should worry people because it's only kicked into high gear with the brainwashing. It's, it's, uh, and, and I mean, I, I mean, let's face it, it's a giant grift. You're talking about money laundering like nobody's business. Charging every single student a $50 fee per semester. That's $200 a year for counseling that most of them are never going to need, let alone use. They're being robbed. Anybody listening to this, ask yourself this very basic question. If you knew that you were going to be given a check for $200 every year, just in the mail, would you waste that money? Would you waste it on something that you're never going to use it for? Would you give it away to something like a counseling service when you know you're never going to use that? Or would you keep it and use it for something useful? They're robbing these students. They're robbing them. And I mean, they're not students. They're, they're, uh, they're torture victims at this point. This is wild. It continues. It says, Miami officials are currently reviewing a climate action plan, which is expected to be approved by trustees next year. Priorities of the plan are, uh-oh, here it comes, decarbonizing Miami's campus through energy-based emissions, emissions from commuting and university-financed air travel. What in the hell does that mean? Offsetting Miami's carbon emissions, education and research, student engagement and outreach, and finally, resilience monitoring. Now, what does that mean? Resilience monitoring. That means continuing to monitor the grift that they have going and the application of these brainwashed methods among the useful idiots, which of course are them to make sure that they can keep 
their sustainability thing going. You can't fix this. This is one-dimensional, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, four-dimensional, five-dimensional brainwashing, without a doubt. Again, if you were to walk up to these people that believe all of this nonsense that I just read in that article, the actual people both writing the article and then the people within the sustainability department, you were to tell them that they have injected themselves with a biological weapon that will be the cause of their death, their head will explode. See, they're not really interested in sustaining anything, which is the real definition of sustainability. Sustainability, again, just means sustaining the depopulation agenda. Sustaining the grift, sustaining the squeezing of all money resources, and sustaining communism, Marxism, and Bolshevism. That's it. It is that simple. But this right here and all of these little parameters and all these little games, gimmicks, and nonsense, this is what the communists have given these low level, useful idiots in order to play with to distract them so that the real agenda can continue to take place. And again, let's face it, these university environments have given it to them already. They're already crumbling. Colleges and universities are continuing to go bankrupt and continuing to close. They're continuing to go further and further in debt. Miami University is $36 million plus in debt already. That's growing. It's not getting smaller. They can put up all the solar panels they want. Isn't going to fix anything. Won't fix unemployment. Won't fix anything. any of their other uh, exacerbating factors of climate change like drug and alcohol abuse. They've lost their minds. They've lost their minds. The Matrix is real, ladies and gentlemen. It's real. And it's got these people by the back of the neck. Satan himself and these communists have their hands right on their spines, inside of their thorax, and they're just whipping them around like a rag doll, as much as they want, getting them to say whatever they want and do whatever they want. They are not in control of themselves, these useful idiots. They truly are not. They are completely and utterly controlled by their controllers who want them dead. They want them around long enough to maintain something or build something that is useless, and then they discard them, like a, like a used piece of Kleenex. It's that simple. And then they're just in the trash. And then if there's someone still alive around long enough to uh, you know, pick, up the, pick up the reins, so to speak, that the previous useful idiot had in, in their grasp, well, then that person, again, gets yanked around by the spine also until they're thrown in the trash also, from their own action and from believing things that are not real. Again, you had an open admission from the director themselves that they are shocked that there's a lack of awareness of what the university is doing. That means that they don't care. It means that the student population doesn't give a damn because the student population probably knows more about it. And they know that you're a fraud. This is nationwide. Again, these these universities want EV vehicles. They want EV buses. And you've heard me bring that up on the show. And I've brought it up again in the the last substack. 
what happens when one of those university EV buses catches on fire and all the windows and doors are inoperable? Everybody's going to cook inside. And then what's going to happen? These environments haven't planned for that, just like they haven't planned for the quote-unquote COVID jab response. They haven't planned on this. They haven't planned on their campuses being half full now. They haven't planned on dormitories being dead empty. Homes that used to be rented out for students now being for sale because no one lives here anymore. They haven't planned for any of this. They're continuing to surround themselves in their own echo chambers, believing whatever it is that they say is the way that it is. This is not a winning formula for any business, let alone a government institution, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not. Every year going forward, the financial strain of these institutions is going to increase to the point where they cease to exist. And I say, good riddance. Get rid of them. They don't need to be around anymore. Because again, then the Bolshevik won't have a playground. The communists won't have a playground anymore. Yes, they'll try to find another one. But most of them have injected themselves anyway, so, I mean, we we know the long-term plan here. We know what's really taking place. So It's astounding. I find it fascinating, but it's right here in front of us. Every day I wake up, I just continue to think to myself, we're actually living through this. This is actually happening. It's amazing. Watching, again, the the death and destruction of your fellow citizens in your own country isn't enjoyable per se, but you reap what you sow. You still reap what you sow. These are godless people. They do not have God in their lives. They are not focused on their own God-given abilities. They are focused only on what government tells them they should be focused on, and that is always a losing proposal. It's never a winning proposal. Okay, let me mention this now. I'll get into the jab stuff more specifically here, and I have a few things, including one audio clip that you have got to hear. It, it'll, it's just, it's, a, it's another level of, of mind control that uh, is next level, but, but even so, it really is something that I've brought up here on the show with regularity. In fact, it ties perfectly into a Steve Kirsch slash Karen Kingston, Karen Kingston substack, which is, again, absolutely perfect here. Because Karen Kingston calls out Steve Kirsch and the Robert Malones yet again, and she's 100% right. And th- this is what I would, again, there's got to be a name for it. I'm sure there is, but it's the appeal to authority without a doubt. But it is this false sense of, a, a false sense of appealing to authority. So it's sort of like an appeal to authority squared, where these individuals, again, who have these massive audiences are all of a sudden saying things about the jabs and jab-related stories, and they're saying it as if it's new because they are the ones who are now saying it. They're the ones now that are waving the green flag go on particular subjects And now all of a sudden, we're all supposed to just act like they were the first ones who have figured this out. That's why I detest these people. I detest them because they are opportunists and grifters of the highest order. And they're stealing people's work and not giving credit where credit is due. 
and they're doing it again to grift off of it. They're doing it to receive clicks, to receive money, to receive attention. And hey, look, I said this thing. Now, you know, this can happen and we can do this and you should do this and blah, blah, blah. This has been around a long time, this kind of grifting, and I really cannot stand it. Let me mention this now, and I have an update here from one of the stories again that our Michigan business friend has been updating us on. And this had again had to do with the daughter of a friend of hers. I'm sorry, the sister. It's a sister of a friend of hers who received, again, the the COVID swab test and punctured her blood-brain barrier, remember that, and had to have facial surgery and, of course, was sort of catatonic and in in rather dire straits. Well, there's a bit of an update here, and it's it's horrific, but she is apparently out of the hospital now and, and on the mend, which is very good. But listen to this. This was the last day or so within the actual hospital. She said the following. She said, update. Friend's sister gained full consciousness Friday morning and wanted to leave. The hospital kept waiting to give her more morphine and keep COVID testing her. They wanted to continue to give her the swab tests that don't work, that hurt her in the first place. I mean, <laughs> you can't. How do you, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this level of brainwashing? It's so far gone now, ladies and gentlemen, these people have to be destroyed. They have to be destroyed. There's no other way around it. I mean, again, you've heard me say it time and time again that you can't, you can't keep being this way and expect it to be a survivable characteristic. But, and, and that, of course, is true, and these people aren't going to make it because, again, you can't be that dumb and continue to survive. Eventually, you're going to step on yourself and, uh, you know, make horrible, horrible decisions, not to mention they're all jabbed anyway. At least all these nurses and doctors certainly are. But again, these people have got to go. They have to go. It's time for them to leave Earth now. She continued, she said, uh, they wanted again to keep giving her morphine and keep COVID testing her. They refused to let her use the phone. She started her period and they wouldn't allow her to wear underwear or give her a tampon. They insisted she lay over the bedpan. Can you imagine? Screams lawsuit, does it not? It says, today she said if they don't let her leave, she's going to call a lawyer. They tried to talk her into one more day of morphine, and she refused. They finally are allowing her to leave and let her have her cell phone back, and she should be checked out in the next hour. Unquote. Hospitals are torture chambers, just like schools, K-12 schools, just like universities. Do you see the communism here? Do you see the consistency? No one's thinking. Everybody's just doing exactly what they're told. They're, they're, they're torturing all of the people that are in and around these environments. Everything about this case with this, with this woman and this girl, experiencing that with the COVID test puncturing her brain and bleeding and the facial surgery and the whole thing, the entire thing is a massive flipping lawsuit. It's, an, it's absolutely remarkable. 
even the mom again was brainwashed because they were the ones that were saying that they thought that it was because she doesn't eat enough vegetables. Are you kidding me? It's just, you know, the people who believe these lies have got to go. I don't know what else to say. They've got to go. I know that sounds heartless, but it is what it is. They, they have to expire. We cannot continue to drive down the street next to these people. They're going to get us hurt in very basic avenues of society. So, yeah, I, don't, I really don't know what else to say. I, uh, again, keep providing me updates if she's listening to the show. She knows who she is. Keep providing me updates, and uh, I hope she's doing well at home. Hope she heals, heals to some extent, certainly fully, as, as fully as one could after such an experience. But holy God, what a traumatic experience. It's absolutely unimaginable. But in this day and age, unfortunately, it is imaginable. Okay, there is also this. We have a friend of the show who has sent me a great deal of information from the Tyson Food Company. And they work within, they will go unnamed for various reasons, but they have sent me some rather interesting information. They also, of course, this is rather ironic, they told me again that Tyson is moving toward the manufactured bug food distribution business now, where they're, again, putting bugs in the food and doing all of that. And then sure enough, the very same day later on in the day, uh, all the stories were breaking about Tyson getting in the bug business, the bug food business. So unfortunately, that's a real thing and that's happening. They did send me this though. They sent me this form that apparently they as employees have to fill out and you won't believe the stupidity of this form. So here's what it actually says. It is titled Visitor Disease Control Sign-Off. It says definitions at the top of communicable diseases. It's defined as an illness caused by an infectious agent or its toxins that occurs through the direct or indirect transmission of the infectious agent or its products from an infected individual or via an animal, vector, or an inanimate environment to a susceptible animal or human host. So saith the Centers for Disease Control. It then says, common symptoms of infectious diseases include coughing, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, abdominal cramping, fatigue, chills, rash, or infected wounds. It then says, disease control requirements, and there are three. Number one, no person that is affected by or is a carrier of a disease in a communicable form may work in a food plant in any capacity where there is a potential for food or food ingredients to become contaminated or the disease to be transmitted to other individuals. Yes, you heard that right. They're more concerned about infected people, who I'm sure they force jabs on, being around their food, but they're not concerned with putting bugs in their food. Interesting. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is Tyson Foods Incorporated. This is their level of thinking. Do you think this is a business that is going to survive? I don't think so. They said number two, 
Persons who exhibit any indication of infection, infected wounds, boils, sores, cuts, and or inflamed skin, or other abnormal sources of microbial contamination, must visit the designated personnel each day for an assessment of the condition and proper care and bandaging of the affected areas if he or she is allowed to work. Facility management must identify a responsible person as the, quote, designated or authorized personnel in lieu of a, a, I'm sorry, in lieu of a facility nurse. Now, I got to ask, are they hiring zombies? I mean, is that who they're hiring? Literal zombies with pus, you know, with pus coming out of their open wounds as they just make random noises and uh, and, do, and do all of that stuff as they're, you know, chewing on their own flesh. Make sure you check in with your designated authorized personnel and get your boils bandaged up before you head back to the assembly line. <laughs> I mean, is that who they're hiring? What is happening here? What is going on? Number three, it says, and this is the final one, it says, only company issued metal, I'm sorry, metal detectable bandages on high visibility that are provided by authorized personnel are permanent are permitted rather for use. Fresh bandages must be applied each day before reporting to the workstation. Company-issued rubber or latex gloves, sleeves, and or smocks must be worn over bandages. Holy, holy hell, what is happening here? Does this mean that they're actually concerned about jabbed, contaminated blood leaking into other things that might contaminate said thing? Is this a hidden admission? Or even a public admission that the jabbed blood is contaminated and that all your employees who took the jabs and who may be bleeding at one point or another are somehow transmitting toxic jabbed blood to others or certainly food particles of some kind and that this is all contagious? This is a rather interesting admission to some extent, I think. It then says in bold letters before everything where you have to sign with your signature date, print name, and then the company name. It says, quote, I have read the visitor disease control document and understand the symptoms of infectious disease that shall prevent my presence in an area with open food product. By signing below, I am affirming that I understand the requirements set forth by this Tyson Foods Incorporated facility, unquote. And then it's been revised and apparently was first issued back on June 8th of 2015, but has been since updated. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like one of two things. It sounds like a document, again, that is intended for zombies who are actual literal zombies working within this environment, or it's for jabbed people because they're the ones that are consistently getting sick, and either they're trying to get ahead of it as a company because they know what they've done, and they're trying to play some kind of crowd control, 
because they actually know that the jab blood is is toxic. I mean, my God. What a document. What a company. I can't see Tyson existing in the future. Can you? I mean, they're already closing plants, as this very individual has already told me. In fact, they also told me that when they drive to these plants, and the ones that are basically having to pick up the slack for the other plants that have closed down, that they are backed up and packed to the gills with with not only product that has to be moved, apparently, but trucks that are there to pick it up, and they've never seen it like this before. It's just nuts, ladies and gentlemen. The entire, I mean, the food industry isn't a food industry. Our infrastructure is crumbling, and these companies are again having to pick up mercury with a fork with all of their policies, and they can't do it because they imposed all of these jabs on everybody, and they they actually thought it would be a good thing, that it was going to help people. It's absolutely incredible. They've shot themselves, and they don't even know it. Okay, speaking of shooting yourselves and not even knowing it, and now t- trying to actually take credit for it, I can't believe I'm going to play this. Here's the audio of Dr. Drew talking to Megan Kelly. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, on the Dr. Drew show or on the Megan Kelly show, I'm not sure which, I don't care. They're both jabbed buffoons, and they both went along with this lie. Remember, Megan Kelly is three shots deep, her sister's dead, and one of her friends are dead. Dr. Drew, of course, well, how many people did he jab if he jabbed anybody? I mean, he's just a commentator by and large. I don't think he actually has a living practice anymore, but uh, either way, I'm sure back in the day he was pushing the masks and pushing the jabs. I'm certain of it. I'm sure that audio exists, but now these two nitwits that went along with it are acting like They've been on the right side of history this entire time. And they're the ones providing the advice for everybody now. And I want you to listen closely to what Dr. Drew says and then the sort of sly way in which Megyn Kelly tries to act like she's the know-it-all, which again, she's a sociopath, so that's par for the course for her. But what he actually suggests is not good at all. So give this a listen and I'll come back in on the other end and We'll tear it open in three, two, one. It's more common than we thought. People are like, well, it's mild, it's mild, it's no big deal, it's it's self-limited, blah, blah. Look, in my world, throughout my entire career, 40-year career, myocarditis is a medical emergency. It's a dire problem. A publication just came out five days ago in circulation, a major cardiac cardiology journal. An excellent study, and it showed, it took my breath away. I didn't know why it wasn't headline news. It's a large study, and it showed that about approximately half of the young males that got myocarditis had permanent heart damage. Yep. Permanent. That means that a, we don't know what percentage are going to be disabled by this as they get older, are going to develop heart failure, or are going to need cardiac transplants, some of them. Oh it's breathtaking this study and why it wasn't a big headline i've sort of sent it around a little bit because I, I i don't understand why people aren't reacting to it so in a 27 year old male the illness is a nothing so the risk is so the vaccine is all risk right. why the push why are we pushing and i think put your legal head on for a second 
that universities are going to be in big trouble for having mandated young people to get that vaccine because I mean, people are going to get sick and they're going to have long-term consequences and they should sue those schools for having forced them to take the take a medical intervention. hundred percent. They should sue. And if anybody tries to force you from this point forward, get a fake card. It's not that hard. Go ahead Google it. Get a fake well, card. And, and, and again, Don't comply. we have a good treatment. We have Paxlovid. Why? And you, people I'm, have all I'm kinds of saying, you have to get, you have to say you've gotten the shot to get yeah, in, right. get a fake one. Just mm. Google it on the internet. It's bullshit. And they're going to create these bullshit rules. You can create your bullshit way around them. It's all just like a theater. So let's, okay, let's act. I'll act like I've gotten my 50th booster and you can act like you're satisfied. I'm telling you the truth. The nerve of these people, the absolute nerve of both of them. I can't stand either one of them for a variety of reasons, but they're pathological and certifiable. They are nuts. Why the push? Why the push? And isn't it nice that Megyn Kelly's read a meme? Good for her. She read the meme that said, you can pretend it works and I'll pretend that blah, blah, blah. You can pretend that I took the shots and I'll pretend that they work and uh, good for you. She's such a dope. She's such a dope. God dang, I I just, okay, sorry. Let me break through this now. Let me break this down as as quickly as I can. I put this out on Gab again. I'm just going to repeat my Gab here. Dr. Drew pushed the jabs. Megyn Kelly is triple jabbed. They both have friends and relatives that are dead from the jabs. You cannot sue, ladies and gentlemen, a university for these jabs right now. You can't do it. I understand, again, I've got an article later that's, that's going to mention this, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't say, wait a minute, I have freedom. You didn't accept, accept my exemption, my medical or religious exemption. You can't kick me out of this university because I'm refusing to take this shot. I mean, these universities had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted to do. That right there should tell you that they are communist institutions. Now, here's why you can't sue these universities. In my opinion, I'm not a lawyer, so I might be wrong. But there's always the choice, so to speak, to either take the jabs, not take them, fill out the exemption, not fill them out, or, of course, the the backdrop, which is the plausible deniability, which is, well, if we don't accept your exemption and you don't want to take the shots, you can't stay here, but don't worry, just go find another place to go. That's their, that's their backstop excuse. Always has been. It will continue to be. Well, you don't have to come here. I'm sure there are lot, lots of other universities that, uh, that, that will take people that don't want to take the shots. There's, of course, online universities, and there's always other options. I mean, those are the lines that they'll say. And the reason that they'll say that is because they'll use the old grocery store excuse. They'll say, well, we don't have the product you're here to, to look for, or we don't have the kind of food that you want to buy, but we can't provide it to you, so you're just going to have to go somewhere else and get it. You're going to have to go somewhere else to get that thing that you want, when really that thing that you wanted is freedom. You just wanted freedom. You wanted the freedom to make the right decision for yourself because you knew what the right decision was which was not inject yourself with an unknown biological weapon so that you could continue to attend a torture indoctrination chamber called a university. But again, that's going to be their excuse. That's the plausible deniability. Well, we didn't know it would hurt people. 
all the medical institutions said we should take it. I mean, the government said it, the CDC, our own health department, our, our own governor, everybody was involved. Yes. Yes. Everyone, everyone was involved. Every single one of you went along with the largest crime that's ever occurred blindly. Blindly. And yes, every vaccination is a crime to, extent, to an extent because every single vaccination does not prevent anything. They are all biological weapons. Those poisons do not belong in the human body, regardless of what they are. And they continue, of course, to force so many other vaccinations beyond the COVID bioweapon. But no one complains about those anymore, do they? Or are they starting to complain about them now? I hope they are. Make sure and get your tuberculosis shot and your rabies shot and your DTAP shot before you come to our university. It's all useless. All of it's useless. Again, here's where Dr. Drew also goes off the rails with, with really two things. Number one, of course, he mentions myocarditis at the beginning. I said this publicly on Kate Daly's radio show in September, I believe it was, of 2021. And he should have known this. He's a medical doctor. Remember, I'm not, but he is. So there goes the sophistry right out the window. I mean, isn't that, well, And it's not out the window. It's right here with us. Isn't that it? He's the authority figure that everybody is supposed to appeal to, not me. I'm certainly not an authority figure, but I have a brain and I'm an American and I give a damn. But Dr. Drew should know that myocarditis is a death sentence. I said it on Kate Daly's show. It's a death sentence. If you're diagnosed with myocarditis, you'll be 50% of you will be dead in five years. So what about the other 50%? Well, they'll be dead in 10. Pretty simple. Rather basic math, I think. That's usually the going rate for it. And then he mentions heart transplants. Here's the problem, Dr. Drew. I think I also said this on Kate Daly's radio show. In fact, I brought it up on my podcast back in the spring of 2021. If you have damaged DNA from this bioweapon and you're diagnosed with organ failure and you replace said organ, your damaged DNA still exists. It's still in you. It's still a part of your entire being, which means what's going to happen with that new organ that you've now put into your body? It's not going to it's not going to make anything better. That organ might come under attack. Not to mention we know that the healing capability of people who are jabbed is dramatically diminished. A basic a basic injury from someone who is jabbed is going to take far longer and they might not heal at all. Depending on what the condition is or just depending on the person or even how many jabs they took. These are all the variables in this demonic equation that they aren't taking into consideration. So no, a heart transplant won't fix your myocarditis. You still have damaged DNA, which is the cause of it. You still took the jabs. It's a part of you now. You're a genetically modified organism, legally speaking. So saith the United States Supreme Court. And then what does he do? What does the great Dr. Drew do? He suggests Paxlovid. This is a pharmaceutical poison, and it should never be taken. Not to mention, what kickbacks is Dr. Drew getting from pushing Paxlovid? Here's an article. 
It's arstechnica.com, A-R-S-T-E-C-H-N-I-C-A. Title, Pfizer Hikes Price of COVID Antiviral Paxlovid from $530 to nearly $1,400. The price hike is expected to exacerbate already poor uptake of the drug. And the date of this article was October 19th of this year. It says Pfizer last Wednesday revealed that it raised the list price of a course of Paxlovid, its life-saving antiviral drug used to reduce the risk of severe COVID-19 in those most vulnerable, to nearly $1,400, more than double the roughly $530 the U.S. government has paid for the treatment in the emergency phase of the pandemic. Why are they doing that? They're raising the price because they're already losing money as a company. Pfizer's stock is plummeting. Not to mention, one of many of the ingredients in Paxlovid, if memory serves, is ivermectin. The problem is not the ivermectin part. It's everything else that is in the Paxlovid pill that is poison. And ladies and gentlemen, it comes from Pfizer. So. At this point, that pretty much says it all, doesn't it? Shouldn't that say it all? Again, Megyn Kelly didn't come back with an intellectual retort and say something like, well, Paxlovid hasn't really been proven to work, in particular among individuals who are jabbed. Not to mention, it's a Pfizer product, and that's rather dangerous. Keep in mind, they're both on Sirius XM radio. So what kickbacks does Sirius get from Pfizer and vice versa? They're all in on it. They're all controlled by the Zogbot. All of them. They're all in that same basket. Honest to God, I'm smarter than Dr. Drew. And so are you, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. And you're smarter than Megyn Kelly. Well, let's face it, a bag of sand is smarter than Megyn Kelly. So, uh, you know, there's that. Now, that ties into this perfectly, actually. Let me mention this, too. You've heard me say again, I'm not a fan of Steve Kirsch. I think he's an opportunist. I think he tries to get ahead of things. He has a bunch of ghostwriters doing a bunch of writing for him, as even AJ has testified to. And then, of course, uh, he takes credit for every single thing that apparently comes out. Not to mention, he's at least double-jabbed. But that's the problem. The double-jabbed are now swooping in to try to play the hero and trying to gain credit for saving the world. So first of all, there's this. He puts out an article on October 21st that is titled, Michigan State University Professor Mark Skidmore was exonerated by the university and his landmark paper showing over 250,000 killed by the COVID vaccine is now back in the peer-reviewed literature. It says after a seventh-month review by his university, Mark Skidmore was exonerated of all charges and again, his, his paper is being peer-reviewed. Well, good for him. This, however, as you might expect, puts the university between a rock and a hard place because, again, it was the university itself that forced these very jabs on endless people, and then one of their own professors writes a paper about how bad this is, and, well, trying to place him on administrative leave or, or something, or, you know, investigate his pseudo-unethical behavior as a professor and as, uh, as writing this paper, has now backed up on them. 
the toilet is backing up here. So I'm just going to read his executive summary. It says, Mark Skidmore wrote a paper that showed that 217,000 Americans were killed in 2021 by the COVID vaccine. The journal retracted the article and Mark's university commenced a seven-month investigation into unethical behavior by Professor Skidmore. Today, he's pleased to announce that the professor has been exonerated on all charges in his paper, with some helpful additions suggested by Dr. Susan Oliver and her dog, Cindy. Okay, whatever. Has now been published in another peer-reviewed journal. Okay. I'm not going to read much more from that, necessarily, but you you get the gist of it. This puts the university, again, between a rock and a hard place. Because, again, they were trying to essentially cover up what this guy figured out, which was what most of us already knew. But at the exact same time, this should show you the communist environment that exists within all of this, certainly regarding this particular subject. Now, shortly after, Steve Kirsch puts out this one on his Substack, And I'm just going to read the title here and then a couple of things from it. But then I'm going to bounce over to Karen Kingston. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Karen Kingston was the one who was in front of this before Steve Kirsch. And I want you to hear the association that Steve Kirsch himself even references. Rather suspicious. And this is suspicious. The timing is certainly. It is titled, The Vaccines Are Adulterated. The FDA is required by law to take them off the market. And you can now sue the manufacturers. The subtitle, I've talked to multiple sources on this. Professor Byram Brindle first mentioned this to me, then Robert Malone. That's right, Bobby Malone. Then attorney Warner Mendenhall. This is big, so he says. He says, here's a tweet that got over one million views in just six hours and blah, blah, blah. He says, please read the entire thread and please hit the retweet icon. And then he says, thanks. And his tweet said, breaking, you can now sue the mRNA COVID vaccine manufacturers for damage. And the FDA is required to take the COVID vaccines off the market. Why adulteration? The plasmid bioactive contaminant sequences were not pointed out to the regulatory authorities. It's considered adulteration. I just got off the phone with Professor Byram Brindle and Robert Malone on this, unquote. Great. Good for you. Who is the first person to tell us that these industries knew that this was poison and was going to kill people? Who was one of the first people to call this a biological weapon by definition? And who was the first person to say that these vaccine companies are not immune from litigation? That person was Karen Kingston. So now I bounced over to Karen Kingston's substack. A day later, October 22nd of 2023, here we go. The Kingston Report. It says, quote, and she puts it in quotes, which is great. She puts in quotes, breaking news. And she says, again, again, she's railing on these people like Steve Kirsch and Malone and so on and so forth. It is titled, breaking news, quote unquote. Pfizer is liable for the injury, disease, and deaths caused by their mRNA injections, rather, and they need to be taken off the market. Her subtitle is, My losses and and scars were worth it. I fought against the false narrative that Pfizer 
has ironclad immunity with everything I had. Champions of that false narrative are now saying Pfizer can be sued. She's 100% right. She's calling out these, these stupid, demonic grifters like Steve Kirsch and Malone for swooping in and, and again, trying to take credit for something that she was saying a long, long time ago. And she points it out here. She says, again, October 22nd, 2023, Steve Kirsch broke the news, quote unquote, it says, that Pfizer is liable for the injury, disease, and death caused by these jabs. And he calls it a recent discovery. And then he cont- she continues and says, uh, the cancerous genetic sequence are probably not just SV40, which is simian virus 40, which again is just dead monkey cells, dead kidney monkey cells. And she says, I reported on PDNA and HELA sequences on October 20th of 2021. She goes on to say that, uh, and, and she did that rather, it says, on Brandon House and how they would change human DNA and cause a massive spike in very aggressive cancers with rapid tumor growth across all ages. And she's linking all of her previous substacks that prove this. And then she said, last Monday, I explained it on Blood Money with Vem Miller. I was on that show. It was not very, not very intellectually stimulating, I didn't think. The questions were bad, but that's my take. Uh, then she says, I was a lone wolf by aggressively targeting Pfizer, called controlled opposition and a Russian operative for fi- fiercely championing my numerous med legal analysis to take down Pfizer. And then she highlights particular quotes from that particular interview with, uh, with Miller. She says, I began organizing and presenting the evidence to prosecute Pfizer in 2021 in order to initiate charges against Pharma Giant, the Pharma Giant. She says, the evidence uh, has remained consistent, so what changed? She said, I'm excited that the freedom movement has gotten on board with this fact that Pfizer is criminally liable, praise God, finally. However, when I was in Florida in July, in of 2023, I was advised by many legal entities that the below document violated the Constitution of the U.S. laws. How so? And she was talking again about her sheriff's document that I, of course, have linked on my website. And it's a fantastic document and it's accurate. You would want a legal analyst to put together a document like that. You wouldn't want somebody like Robert Malone or even Steve Kirsch to do it. But then she says Pfizer can be sued for toxic contamination. Pfizer can be sued for toxic and harmful substances found in mRNA vials. And she's linking specifically here here her uh, April 13th substack. She's linking all of her previous substacks within this within this substack, proving that she was on this before these idiots were. Now it gets to this point. I shouldn't say idiots. They're, you know, they're not idiots. They're just, uh, they're certainly controlled. I'll put it that way. They're controlled. And unfortunately, they're slow rolling a lot of this, which is too bad. Certainly Malone. I mean, he was involved. But anyway, she then says this later down in her substack. She said, so what changed the medical freedom movement leaders' opinions? She said, beginning in 2022, I was told by our leaders, she should put quotes around that, they're not really leaders, 
to get on board with the narrative that Pfizer is shielded under EUA and that they are untouchable or else. And she said, or else what? The answer, I, the answer was, I would be sued or written out of history of the COVID-19 battle, i.e. blacklisted from media and undergo character assassination or worse. I was even asked to apologize for correcting the insane claims made by some individuals that Pfizer's clinical trials were play theater, quote-unquote, as part of a U.S. military PSYOP and had ironclad immunity no matter how many innocent children and adults were disabled or died. I understand that people make mistakes. I've made some mistakes and corrected them when they were pointed out. I am saddened that some influencers felt a need to attempt to discredit me, but I am thankful that I did not capitulate to the false group narrative that Pfizer has ironclad immunity, because even the champions of that false narrative are saying now that Pfizer can be sued, and that I did not bend the knee to the father of lies out of fear of being disgraced, kicked out of the movement, or physically harmed. I'm proud of my scars and thankful for your prayers for God's and yeah, thankful for your prayers for God's protection. And then she wrote, I'm baffled. Should I apologize for standing firmly in the truth to seek justice and who do I need to apologize to and for what? And then again she says, What changed their minds? On Monday I sent this message to Warner Mendenhall on the Brooke Jackson case, and she details her text message. She again, you know, this entire thing is incredible. She's she's been pointing this out for a very long time, certainly even on the Stu Peters show. She's been ahead of this curve without a doubt. And, uh, and she points out, she points it out in their actual documents themselves in the Pfizer documents. She highlights it. So this is an excellent substack. My recommendation is you bounce over to the Kings, uh, KarenKingston.substack.com to check this out. Again, I think that this also directly ties into the fact that the universities aren't going to be able to be sued because it was the universities that were taking the advice from the pharmaceutical industry and, of course, all of their controllers. That's really going to be the kick here. How many people, and again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, but how many people can you sue if, if your child or you yourself or a family member was forced to take this, either from your employer or, again, your school or whatever it was, because the pharmaceutical industry covered this up. And now the pharmaceutical industry, of course, can be sued, and Karen Kingston brought this up back in 2021, that they could be sued. But she, of course, was slow rolled on the entire thing, saying that, well, that's not true, and you know, you can't do that, and they're untouchable, and blah, blah, blah. They've never been untouchable. And the moment that they started hiding evidence and deleting slides from their presentations that they were giving to the FDA, in particular, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, with that magical deleted slide that showed death as being one of the quote-unquote side effects or adverse reactions that could occur as a result of taking these shots, well, why why not sue them then too? I mean, when does the suing start and stop is my whole point. Now, again, Steve Kirsch on his Twitter thread, he's got a bunch of stuff here. He has a direct link to the Michigan University case, or I'm sorry, a Michigan judge who denied drug manufacturers immunity in, in one specific case. 
And then he lists again, he, he references Naomi Wolf. I, uh, you know, I just messaged Naomi Wolf regarding Pfizer docs. She wasn't aware of any mention of SV40 in the Pfizer docs they gave the FDA, but she will check further. So Pfizer has a very big problem. I, re- I remember, like it was yesterday, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits consistently saying that SV40 is in all these shots. It's in all of them. It's even in hepatitis shots. It certainly was back in the day, I think. But anyway, he also says, here's a list of 90 lawyers that you can contact if you want to sue the vaccine manufacturers. So, I don't know. There's, there's more in this thread. He references Malone, Dr. Naomi Wolf, uh, you know, more Zogbot-controlled people. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of this is legit. I'm more, I'm more inclined to trust Karen Kingston, without a doubt. Again, she was in front of this first. She's the one that, if there's credit to be given, and this is not a credit game. It's certainly not that. This is a war, so there's no credit. But um, if there is credit to be given, it's it's certainly in her direction. So either way, here's what I'll do. And again, I don't even know if this list of 90 lawyers is legitimate or not. Uh, what's the website? Airtable.com. Either way, here's what I'll do. I'll link that link of this list of lawyers in the description below this episode. And then I'll also link that Twitter thread of of Steve Kirsch in the uh, description below, along with Karen Kingston's Substack in the description below if you're interested in checking those out and moving those around to people again who you know are jab-injured or whatever, and they, they want to attempt to sue. Again, it becomes a money game then, doesn't it? How much money do they have to actually sue these... Uh, Sue these giant pharmaceutical agencies, and then at the exact same time, how long are they are, are they willing to continue to pay these lawyers to carry out these lawsuits? I don't know, but they have all the different states listed here that uh, that are represented. Looks like Alabama, Alberta, Arizona, British Columbia, lots in California, Florida, Ireland, Kansas, uh, Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska. It's a number of different states. It's not every state, clearly. There's West Virginia, Washington, Virginia, Texas, one in South Carolina, uh, one in Oregon, looks like four in Ohio. Charles Tate, of course, the Mendenhall Group is based out of Akron, Ohio. He's got two firms there. Make Americans Free Again, I think, is another one. That's in Worthington, Ohio, or Worthington, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, there you go. I'll I'll link all that in the description below. And there you go. I just it's the grifting I don't like. That's all. It's the grifting. It's the Malones and the Kirsches and I got off the phone with Naomi Wolf and so and so and I'm I'm hot shit and blah blah blah. Karen Kingston was in front of this from day 1. She was ahead of this way before because she was the legal analyst and she used to work for these people. And she knows how to dig through their paperwork and find out what's legal and what's not. So I hope she's on Stu Peters on Monday night. That would be interesting. I wanted to mention this too. This was making the rounds on Twitter the other day, and I even moved this to Kim Carter to get her take to see if she had heard about this, and she said that she saw it but hasn't heard about it at her workplace yet. This is from a Jessica Rojas on Twitter. 
And uh, they said the following, they said, shared from a registered nurse, quote, I'm registered nurse in a GP practice in Australia. Just last week, I took delivery of the usual monthly government vaccine order and discovered a new childhood vaccine had been added to the National Immunization Program, NIP. It's called Vaxilis, V-A-X-E-L-I-S, and is an alternative, quote-unquote, to Infanrix, Hexa, I-N-F-A-N-R-I-X, H-E-X-A, given to babies at two, four, and six months for DTAP or DTPA, hepatitis B, polio, and HIV. It says no doctors or nurses have been given any details about Vaxilis other than its interchangeability with Infanrix, Hexa. So I checked out the official product information for Vaxilis and found that it's a ribosomal DNA vaccine. How dare they introduce a genetic vaccine into the NIP without telling anyone? It goes on and it says, I'm warning every parent that comes in with a baby about it. And I've told the uh, practice manager that I refuse to administer it until the NIP provides details regarding clinical trials, safety data, and an explanation for their underhanded behavior. This is bloody ridiculous. Uh, It says, up until three years ago, before any changes to the NIP schedule, all immunizers had to attend some form of education, i.e. workshop, run by local public health, or an online lecture or learning module, usually with an included assessment with a 100% pass mark to attain before being deemed qualified to continue immunizing. Since this whole COVID bulldust started, there's been several scheduled changes to the NIP with only a few email notifications, which only benefit the nurse on duty when it arrives, who invariably pins it up on the vax fridge for everyone to ignore. Considering how fastidious they've been in the past, even with simple schedule changes, this is just bizarre. But the fact that they've actually included a new vaccine into the NIP and a genetic one to boot with no information, no safety data, no studies cited, is just bloody criminal. It wraps up and says Vaxilis is a six-in-one vaccine that was that was approved October of 2020. Trials were performed using other vaccines, so no saline per usual. Six deaths during, I'm, I'm sorry, six deaths occurred during the trials, but they want to assure you that it wasn't Vaxilis. You can read all about the report yourself here, which is at vaxilis.com. Now, again, this is unsurprisingly shocking, I think. This this shouldn't shock anybody. Um, they're continuing to do this, and and they're continuing to put DNA from multiple different sources within these shots because there's always been DNA from other dead animals within these shots. That's the that's the primary makeup of all vaccines. But they're continuing to do it, and they're doing it for younger and younger ages, of course. And they've always been doing it for babies. That's where childhood cancer comes from, along you know, a a whole host of other reasons for illnesses. 
but this is what people have to expect. They have to expect that DNA is going to be in every single shot going forward, and the only DNA that belongs in you is your DNA and or that of the person that you are seeking to reproduce with. Other than that, DNA should never be administered to you in the form of a needle or a pill. And you should never be, of course, swallowing it or ingesting it into your, into your body or injecting it into your body, rather, because, again, it's, it's going to cause massive illness and the breakdown of your own DNA. So it's been brought up in this show with regularity. Other people have brought it up, too. But I just wanted to let you know that that's the latest, uh, that's the latest twist, certainly out of Australia, called Vaxilis. Again, why anybody would jab their babies in this day and age is absolutely beyond me. They, they are, well, they've lost the plot. It's pretty much that simple. If they've made it this far and they're, and they're continuing to do it, then they have no idea what's happening in the world. Okay. Anyway, with all that said, that was just a quick update there here at the end. Uh, have a great week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.